This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. AMD, Intel, and Top 500. Welcome to SC22. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Oliver Peckham and Tiffany Trader. And This Week in HPC, we're in Dallas for SC22. Oliver, Tiffany, welcome to town. We are back in Dallas. Yeah, excited to be here. It's, uh, it's good to see both of you. We were last in Dallas for SC. 18 it was and amd had a big launch event right before that one too and we're going to come around to some new news from amd and intel but let's start with sc22 what are you guys looking forward to with the show well we got a little bit of a deja vu here i mean why don't we uh kick it off with the top 500 stuff as we normally do we got the 60th edition of the top 500 list being revealed here from dallas uh showcasing a lot of the same systems that we've seen previously and the big frontier system is still out in front and on top with the uh, the first being the first official limpack exascale system a uh, clocking in at a 1.1 exaflops of course that's a we've chatted a lot about that before um it's installed at oakridge um collaboration of uh, doe hpe and amd and is comprised of 74 Cray cabinets with Milan uh, Milan CPUs and AMD MI250X GPUs. Uh, then going on from there, there was only one new entrant in the top 10, which was a Euro HPC machine, Leonardo. Uh, that landed on the list in fourth position with a 175 impact petaflops. Um, that is an Italian system housed at uh, Chineca and built by, by Atos uh, with uh, NVIDIA A100, um, Intel Ice Lake, and NVIDIA on the NVIDIA um, HDX base board in a, in, a bill, uh, in a bull Sequana XH200 form factor. And then there was a, another little, um, another H, Euro HPC angle uh, within that top 10 cohort too. Uh, Oliver, I know you spotted that. Yeah, uh, it looks like Lumi got a little bit of a power up in this new list, doesn't it, Tiffany? It sure does, yes. Uh, one of those, uh, what they're calling one of the three pre-exascale systems on the, of, out of the eight uh, initial Euro HPC systems, um, Lumi still in, still in third place. And do you, ha do you have the numbers handy? I do. It's got an R max of 309 petaflops. That's a big increase from where it was. They nearly doubled the system size uh, for an increase in uh, Linpack performance. Now their rank remained the same. They were in third. They're still in third. But I'm interested in the fact that we've got Lumi and Leonardo now two Euro HPC systems at numbers three and four. And that's as uh, Europe starts building up toward uh, its eventual exascale capabilities. Yeah, that's right. And so at this point, they out of those eight systems, they now have uh, six. Uh, Leonardo is the sixth Euro HPC system to be set up on the list. So there are two outstanding. There's Ducalion, which will be going to Portugal. That had been slated to be set up by the end of this year. So we'll be watching for that. And then there's also... 
the Mare Nostrum system, the Barcelona, Barcelona supercomputing system, which is said to be coming out next year. So there, um, those are the two that are outstanding. And then the ones that are already on the list are Vega in Slovenia, Molixina in Luxembourg, Carolina in Czechia, Discover in Bulgaria, and of course, Lumi in Finland, which we already um, talked about. And there's a wide range of vendors um, with like a nice cross-section of vendors. I think they're you know, somewhat trying to spread out their risk there. So you, have, you see HPE, you see Atos, you see Lenovo, Fujitsu, NVIDIA, AMD, Intel, and ARM, and those are the ones off the top of my head. Well, as we sometimes talk about with top 500, particularly at the top of the list, I like to talk about what things didn't change. First of all, Frontier is still the number one system. We we didn't think we were going to get another one of the U.S.-based exascale systems. Those will come out in 2023. We're looking ahead to Aurora and then El Capitan after that nor have the Chinese changed their minds about listing any of the uh, now documented exascale systems that are in China, but but not on the list anywhere. You don't have to list them, that's optional. Uh, but this list could look pretty different in the top 10 if we had some systems on there that, uh, that aren't listed. I'll tell you another thing that's not changed that is impressing me more and more as time goes on is that you still have Summit and Sierra uh, they're now bumped down one more spot because of Leonardo, but at numbers five and six, those IBM systems are still right in the middle of the top 10 of the top 500 list. Uh, that's long legs for those systems. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, they'll, those will, those will fall down. And then, you know, some of it, it's just the, the systems that you were just, uh, referring to that aren't on the list, you know, would have, would have pushed those down a little bit more, but yeah, they're still, still holding on for now. Uh, I noticed that there are 41 new systems on the list this year. 27 are from Lenovo, and uh, as you might imagine, a lot of those or most most of those are uh, hyperscale cloud systems, um, not your big uh, more traditional HPC systems. Yeah, Lenovo is a company that does both. Certainly the Chinese vendors, Lenovo, Inspur, they get most of their systems on the top 500 list from hyperscale systems that we don't think of as classical HPC systems, although they can certainly run Linpack and go on the list. But those are really properly counted as part of the hyperscale market. Now, Lenovo also has heritage as a legit supercomputer provider. That Barcelona upcoming system, the Maranostro 5, uh, that's where Lenovo has a lot of heritage, although Atos is really, uh, I think, the, the main provider of Maranostro uh, 5. So Lenovo does have this, uh, this strong presence as supercomputing, but nothing like the total number of systems that you would look at from Lenovo and certainly from Inspur, which I think is on the list uh, purely as a hyperscale provider. If you look at a lot of those new systems that I just talked about, it's it's software company, it's not literally A, but it's you know software company A, software company B, software it's you know that whole those kind of hyperscale uh, web scale names. But there's a couple ones that are to us are more interesting than that, and one of these is a system, a new system called Henri that is uh, made by Lenovo and being installed at Flatiron and is the new number one green uh, 500 system. And there's some interesting things about that that Oliver has been tracking. Yeah, I, I am really fascinated by this uh, Henri, Henri system that is being deployed at the Flatiron Institute in 
New York, it's a very small system. It's only about uh, two Linpack petaflops. So it's ranking somewhere in the 400s on the top 500. Um, but it is delivering around 65 gigaflops per watt. Uh, and for, for reference, the previous chart topper, which was the uh, Frontier TDS, the test and development system for Frontier, um, which was a larger system, but it topped the last list at a, a little under 63 gigaflops per watt. What makes this really interesting is that Henri is the first list appearance of NVIDIA's, uh, I guess now current, uh, H100 GPU. Um, we are still awaiting some more details about the system. Uh, one of the interesting things is that it has a fairly poor Linpack efficiency, around 37%, but we're, you know, and we were having a little bit of spirited discussion ahead of recording about whether that could improve if this is a quick deployment to get on the list. Maybe we will see that efficiency number go up even higher, or maybe we will see the system uh, kind of sit there at, at an incredibly efficient, um, you know, 65 gigaflops per watt. It is an interesting shot across the bow from NVIDIA in terms of efficiency. I mean, we had uh, previously seen the green 500 topped by four consecutive, you know, frontier systems, frontier style systems, the frontier TDS, frontier itself, Lumi and Ad Astra are effectively all using the same hardware and we're the top four on the green 500. Uh, now they are numbers, uh, there are two new systems using the Frontier architecture, essentially, uh, on the Green 500 as well. We see the, the Dardell GPU at number five and the Satonix GPU at number four. But Henri is sitting above those two to seven places, which are all based on the Frontier architecture. So it'll be really interesting to see how the H100-based systems uh, shake up the efficiency game. And rounding out that block is uh are three more the the and number eight is a, a Bolsaquana system from from Atos and in France uh, and and then there's a uh, that MN that MN three architecture that that um, you've you've written about is uh, in nine and then there's another new system called Champollion that is an HPE Apollo system so another HPE system on there these are called the Frontier boards or the Frontier blades because they're the same hardware that's in the Frontier system. And uh, also, you have Flatiron, just, just as a further little footnote here, uh, they actually have two other systems on the list, aside from Henri, um, also both Lenovo systems. Henri is uh, four, number, ranked 405 on the top 500. And then they have a system called RE1 that is at 442, and another system called RE1A that is at 488. And those are both. Uh, Henri is a... Um, Lenovo, it's one of their SR670s um, with the NVIDIA chips. And then the other two are uh, a, a, a different one, SD650N, um, but also with, uh, with NVIDIA all. And in fact, yeah, the, other, the other two are A100s. And of course, as you said, the, uh, the Henri is a big day. I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a bit of a win for NVIDIA, I, I would say, you know, to have their first uh, H100 on the list, you know, come in at, um, even though it's, it's low on the top 500 to come in. At the very top of that um, green 500, and you know we we care about energy efficiency and uh, sustainability. Um, so you know other things um, you know we think are going to be interesting at the show. One thing that I think will be interesting, and this is going to segue to our, our our second segment topic, is to hear the overflow discussion from the the back to back 
uh, chip launches um, this week, but uh, in Intel's case, it was it was more of a, a rebrand announcement. They segmented out their their top two Xeons, their Sapphire Rapids, the the HBM version, and the Ponte Vecchio GPU to form their their new Max series. Uh, that's Max, um, not to be confused with Ampere Max uh, ARM chips. Um, and then Intel further said they uh, pre-announced that their official Sapphire Rapids um, launch would be would be coming on on January. Um, and I don't know, maybe you can say a little bit more about that in a second. Oliver, I know you wrote that up. But but meanwhile, the the day after that uh, news, AMD held their grand grand launch party kickoff for the Genoa Epic Zen Four chips um, at the Grand Hyatt in San Francisco. And Addison, I know you, you were there. We were there. What'd you, what'd you think about that? Yeah, I think you're right that NVIDIA, it's good that they have for them that uh, efficiency win on the green 500 because it gives them something amidst the news that uh, Intel and AMD were putting together. Now at AMD, that was really CPU news as we're looking at the Zen 4 launch. And, uh, you know, I always look forward to these launches now where AMD has kept up this drumbeat of announcements around performance and performance wins, and they did not disappoint there. They really brought it in terms of the performance statistics with this CPU. But beyond that, they really had a strong focus on performance per watt and the power efficiency of these processors. Now, this was a CPU discussion. They didn't really bring in the GPUs, but there was a lot of comparison to um, existing Intel CPUs in the market, not the new Sapphire Rapids, obviously. There's not data on those yet, but comparing to existing Intel chips, uh, AMD was showing not only how much more performance they could do, but if you wanted the same performance level, how much uh, less CapEx and OpEx you would have, the OpEx coming from dramatically reproduced power, uh, dramatically reduced power consumption, and even translating that into here's how many acres of forest you would save by running this for a year. Uh, they were friendly statistics and uh, and really put uh, some of this into sharp relief. Yeah, they showed, the, I don't have the slide in front of me, but they showed slides like instead of, you know, 15 servers, you'll only need five servers. And then this is how, how much, um, energy you'll save and that, how, how much uh, carbon uh, you would save. And yeah, they, they really, um, they really drove that home. Yeah, they did seem like carefully, carefully selected numbers to maximize the advantage. Right, we've if you wanted to run 1,995 virtual machines, you would need this many Intel servers and this many AMD servers. Like, okay, clear, clearly something happens if you go all the way to 2,000, you probably need an extra AMD server or something and you maximize the difference here. But still, the point was well made, and they were showing neighborhood of 50% less power requirement uh, was uh, was really yeah, very yeah, impressive. That was, that was um, and just like we'll run through the specs real quickly, the new Genoa CPUs, they're uh, made on TSMC, a five nanometer Epic CPUs with a six nanometer IO die, uh, up to 96 cores, 12 channels, DDR5 memory, up to 160 lanes, PCI Gen 5, in, in, introducing Gen 5 um, as Sapphire Rapids will as well. And then they introduced DXL 1.1 and Sapphire Rapids is going to introduce DXL too. So neck and neck there. And then the 
this Genoa has 90 billion transistors. And, and we were there, we were there in the room. It was also live streamed, but I'll just make a detour to share, you know, from my experience, um, uh, there was there was really genuine excitement in the room. Like normally these we've been to a lot of these launches. They can be a little hokey, a little manufactured, but I don't know. It seemed this one was a little just kind of sharing my my experience being there. The, the, the enthusiasm seemed genuine. I, I agree. AMD has done a AMD has done a great job with these launches, and it goes back to the last time we came to Dallas in 2018. AMD, you pointed out, Tiffany had just had its Next Horizon event where they launched the seven nanometer uh, process. And that one was absolutely thrilling as well. And it's really continued ever since they got on to Zen. There has been just continued hitting the marks of what they say they're, they're, they're going to be doing. And uh, so that would, to me, was really more of a launch. We were waiting for this fourth generation Zen architecture, the Genoa processor, we got that delivered. Intel, you're right, was more of a, a branding around this Max, which was horizontal across both CPUs and GPUs. We did get some new details around that, particularly around um, uh, HBM, which some people are excited about for Sapphire Rapids. Yeah, there's some, so yeah, there's discussion. There's gonna, there's discussion around that, and there's going to continue to be with uh, that being. A, a feature on the Intel side. It has that high bandwidth memory on the CPU and the GPU. And there's some interesting use cases that they discuss too for how they expect people to uh, be uh, certain use cases to be able to take advantage of of the combination of, of the HPM. So and that's something to look at. Like so many things, you know, which one you need is going to depend on the specifics of your workload and the ratio of memory to cache to compute, you know, that, that, that they need. But um, I think it'll be interesting seeing those, um, seeing those coming out. Um, yeah. And with both, we have discussions of things like AVX 512 yeah. and where does that matter? And I think there's going to be a lot that goes into how these are configured. People are hungry to see the direct head to head comparisons of Sapphire Rapids and, uh, and Genoa or the Instinct GPUs with the Ponte Vecchio GPUs. They're just not all out yet. And I think AMD has the jump on getting out there first right now. Um, a, Intel was less of a, a launch, but was still interesting and engaged. And NVIDIA um, not really making news right now. In fact, I'm disappointed in NVIDIA. Um, you know, they're still you know, delivering these um, systems and GPUs out there. And I think there's excitement around Project Grace and Grace Hopper, but NVIDIA from a marketing and messaging standpoint has really been walking away from high performance computing, getting squarely into cloud and AI. And even with supercomputing here, all of a sudden there's been a change and NVIDIA doesn't really have its own booth anymore. It's like they've given away their booth space to their their cloud partners, uh, Azure and Oracle, each of whom already had their own booths. But but NVIDIA just isn't seeming as interested in the traditional HPC space, except to the extent where they can act as a complete system provider to the cloud companies. I, I just, I don't, I don't love that for this space. It reminds me of, in, of IBM after they put in a Summit and Sierra, by the time those systems were installed, IBM wasn't calling itself an HPC company anymore. And there's some of that, of what NVIDIA is doing now that reminds me of that. 
Yeah, um, but they do have a lot coming down the pike too with the Grace Hopper architecture and a lot of supercomputing wins there. Of course. Um, and so I know there's like quite the same. You were saying you were saying that Nvidia is like selling a lot into the cloud channel as well. That's right. Yeah. Cloud and hyperscale because they serve the the AI needs directly. For example, with the research supercluster at Meta. Mm -hmm. Yep, something something to keep an eye on as as well. Uh, I don't know, Oliver. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we 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 got we got a couple other little nuggets from Intel. You know, they, they talked a little bit about the form factors for uh, Pontevecchio or their Mac series GPU. Now, um, they talked. Uh, they did tell us that uh, if you're not the one making Aurora, uh, you can probably expect uh, that Mac series GPU to become available sometime around Q2 of next year, uh, just for a time frame. The the overall tone, at least of the, um, the briefings we received, was a little apologetic. I thought uh, that there was a, there was an awareness uh, that there had been delays and that there were expectations, um, and they are continuing to really hype up that uh, Falcon Shores XPU as kind of their end game um, offering. Uh, that they expect to be, uh, m you know, the the power that people expect from a brand like Intel. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. So I I think I think you're right, and I th I see this rebrand as 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 likely part of that trajectory towards towards that end game, bringing the GPU and the CPU closer under one brand because they are headed to bringing them together under that Falcon Shore. Well, I'm very excited to see how it all plays out, not only in the market in general, but at Supercomputing this week. We're just getting started. The top 500 list is out. I'm very excited that I get to moderate the, the opening uh, HPC Accelerates plenary panel uh, this year. Definitely looking forward to that discussion with my panelists. I'm doing a, a, a composability panel with Dan as a great, Dan Olds on my team is a great debate. He's in charge of the uh, pro side of the composability argument, and I'm captaining up the con side. And a topic that's really important to us, and I, I did one of the HPC guru elevator pitch videos on Twitter around this. I think the most important topic for our industry in the long run is talent. And that means getting uh, new younger talent with student cluster competitions. And it means uh, more diverse talent. I'm moderating a birds of a feather session on Thursday on racial inclusion in HPC and have some very prominent black Americans as part of that BOF who will be sharing their experiences and their views. Um, I, I think it's really a, a critical topic for anybody in our industry to be part of the conversation and part of the solution. So those are some of the things I'm looking forward to. I have a fully packed schedule. I mean, I'm looking forward to your HPC Accelerates plenary. I'm looking forward to the kickoff Monday night. I'm looking forward to the opening keynotes um, Tuesday morning and, and the Turing session with Jack Dungara. Yes. Um, doing, yeah, I'm doing booth interviews. Uh, we are raffling off a uh, Harley Davidson in our booth as part what? of the re yeah that's right oh I buried that lead um, so yeah there's a lot of lot of cool stuff going on we'll have more to chat about on the next podcast and a, and a lot of really great panels and uh, boffs around uh, sustainability carbon energy efficiency and HBC which we see as a running theme of all these announcements we're talking about today 
And I'm excited to see more conversation around that too. It's going to be a busy week ahead as always. Oliver, Tiffany, thanks for kicking it off with me. We'll be back to wrap up supercomputing on a future episode. And our listeners can get more details on all of these stories as usual on HPC Wire. Thanks for tuning in. Oliver, Tiffany, have a great show. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.